The statements expressed in the following program are those of the speaker. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the sponsor, the hosts, and or Olas Media. Olas Media. You're listening to the Lawyer in Blue Jeans podcast. Welcome everyone to the Lawyer in Blue Jeans podcast. My name is Justin Isaac, and today I am joined by Brian Mainshine. Did I say that correct? You sure did. All right. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Brian is running for the San Diego City Attorney for this upcoming election, um, and we recently had your uh, opponent, uh, Heather Ferber. Is there anyone else in the race, or is it just the two of you? Just the two of us. Okay. Um, and we wanted to get you, uh, this is a legal podcast, and we wanted to talk about some of the legal issues that are going on in the city um, and some other things about, you know, maybe why you want to be the city attorney. So uh, let's start off, if you could introduce yourself, background, a little bit of your history. Sure. Uh, I'm Brian Mainshine. Grew up here in uh, San Diego, went to elementary and middle school and high school here. Uh, left to go to UC Santa Barbara for college and then came back, went to law school at uh, California Western uh, School of Law. And then uh, was in civil litigation practice. Uh, before getting elected to the San Diego City Council. I served two terms on the San Diego City Council. Uh, and then when I left the council, uh, I was uh, selected as the Commissioner on Homelessness and worked for the United Way, created Project 25, which really has been, you know, I would say, I think most people would agree with that, the most successful program serving the homeless uh, in San Diego. And then got elected to the State Assembly in 2012 and uh, have been, I'm now in my sixth term in the state assembly. I also teach uh, election law at USD School of Law, actually just where I was on my, uh, just came from mm -hmm. uh, this morning to, to come to your podcast and uh, created Youth Court, which was programmed for nonviolent first time juvenile offenders, keep them out of the juvenile justice system. Mm -hmm. and then when I got elected to the city council, I was able to take that citywide. Uh, I'm currently the chair of the judiciary committee uh, served on the Judici Judiciary Committee my entire time in the legislature, and now I'm the chair. I'm actually the first chair from San Diego, uh, which I think is a good thing for our region. You know, we oversee, as part of the committee, we oversee the Evidence Code, Civil Code, Judicial Council. You know, it's a, it's, it's a huge committee, has, has one of the heaviest bill loads, and certainly I would think, I mean, we're lawyers, mm -hmm. so we would tend to think maybe some of the most important bills, maybe, again, we're biased because we're lawyers, but uh, have done that uh, during my last 12 years, so... Uh, and yeah, you're right. I'm running for San Diego City Attorney now and uh, have been working hard on that over the last uh, year. Uh, proud of the endorsements I've I've gotten. We can talk about that later. I don't want to yeah. answer this question a little long. So No, that's good. Um, I think that's a good background. And you mentioned this uh, program you had for uh, homelessness that you were working on. You said that was most successful. Why do you think that was? It, it, you know, I so a few things. One, so it's Project 25. Uh, what I did was I was interested, I, I worked with the most, the chronically homeless, I identified the most expensive homeless people to taxpayers, mm -hmm. okay? So this was very complicated because I had to get, I think it was something like 41 different agencies, government bureaucracies to share data. So I could literally go through and once all these, once we got all the data in, mm -hmm. I could say, okay, Joe Smith cost taxpayers 
$500,000 last year because he uh -huh. went to the emergency room, you know, 60 times. He got arrested for public intoxication, 10 times, whatever yeah. it was, right? So I identified all of them by cost. Then I got the uh, county to donate services. I got the city to donate housing vouchers, and the United Way chipped in money for case managers. We went, and we ended up getting uh, 30, I believe it was 39 people. I might be off on by one or two, but 39 people into housing and services, and these were the 39 most causing most serious, you know, serious mental illness. You know, the person you see on the street corner who clearly yeah. is seriously mentally ill. Uh, and we got them in housing. And, the, and then what I did from there was I actually, I wanted to see, I thought it would work, mm -hmm. but you know, there was no guarantee it was gonna work. So I wanted to collect data and see, okay, how much did they cost after they got housing and services? How much yeah. did they cost next year and the year after the year after? And I actually got Point Loma Nazarene's business school to keep the data, to make sure just that it was bulletproof. Yeah. Right? They're the ones, it's gonna show what it's gonna show. If we show that it doesn't save money, I thought, well, you know what? That's still a victory too, because we'll know not to do this. Yeah, right? absolutely. And if it shows that we do save money and these people's lives get better, and, and it showed a tremendous savings. I believe it you know, went from those those 30 plus people cost, you know, I'm a few years removed from it, so I don't have the figures exact, but some, it cost something like $7 million to be homeless. Wow. We got it down to, I think, $5 million the first year, $2 million the next year. I mean, really cut it down. Mm -hmm. They stayed in housing for a really long time. So it 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 did two things. One, it changed their lives, right? Yeah. They, they were clearly seriously mentally untreated. It's inhumane in my view to leave somebody out there like that. Yeah. And then secondly, it saved taxpayers money. Yeah. They're not keep paying for somebody to continue to be homeless to go to the emergency room 300 times a year, whatever yeah. some of these people were doing. So, uh, and I got a number of awards, San Diego County taxpayers, believe it or not, gave it an award, their golden watchdog award for how successful we were in saving money and solving a problem, Channel 10 leadership award. We got a number of awards for it. So uh, for those reasons, you know, it clearly was very, very successful. And what I would say too is it showed, you know, we didn't cherry pick, we didn't mm -hmm. take, you know, if you think of homelessness somewhat on a continuum, right, with the people on one extreme who are seriously mentally ill, one of the individuals has been homeless since the Vietnam War, right? Mm. That person's gonna be difficult. Down to, if you go to the whole other end of the continuum, it's somebody who may be a busboy or a waiter or waitress, yeah. couch surfing a little bit. Those people on that side of the continuum are easier yeah. to deal with, right? But so, so my point is, look, if we could show that we took the 30 plus most difficult mm -hmm and fixed a problem. Man, the next 30 are gonna be easier. Yeah. 30 after that are gonna be easier. So that's why I would say it had uh, it, it was probably the most successful, certainly a huge success. So is that program still in place today? No. Okay. No, unfortunately. Why? That's a great question. Um, I left when I, it was functioning when I left to go to the legislature. Yeah. And then unfortunately, you know, the powers that be let it lapse. And I think that's a real shame. I'd like to see it I'd love to see, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Project 25, my Project 25 be Project 250. Yeah. You know? I think that it's, um, this is something that really, really frustrates me. Uh, I'm not very political. I try not to be, at least. Uh, this to me is apolitical. This is just common sense. And it drives me nuts when we have a program that works on its face and in numbers and in practice. Uh, and yet it's not continued for, no one can probably give a reason. I'm sure that just refer to the next person to give a reason, kick it down the line, because it makes no sense to me. And the fact that you were able to get data from more than five agencies is amazing, right? Uh, because that you never will. Um, but side rant, that just infuriates me because it seems like we are constantly throwing more and more money towards the homeless and it's getting worse. Well, I agree with, actually I agree with all 
what you just said. And I think the power of the program was we could go to somebody like you who's apolitical. You know, traditionally, if, if you go back a few years, the only people who cared about homeless were religious conservatives mm -hmm. and political liberals. Yeah. That was it. The huge majority of people. I remember when I was working on that, I had to, I would literally like go to Rotary clubs, all these places, and try to get people interested in homelessness. Yeah. Think how crazy that is now, where it's like such yeah. a hot topic. Yeah. But because essentially those were the only two groups that really cared. Yeah. But what Project Twenty Five did is we could go to you, mm -hmm. and you say, "Look, I'm not political. You, you and a group of friends, and we're not political." And I could talk about this, and you would say to yourself, "Wow." That makes sense. Yeah. No matter where you were on the Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, wherever you were, or apolitical, you could say, you know what? That seems to me government's solving a problem. Yeah. Those 30 plus people are in housing, right? Their lives are way better. Yeah. And also, me as a taxpayer, I, I'm saving money, right? That money yeah. is going to the things that you would, all of us, right? Yeah. Even if it goes to a one pothole. That's better spent. Oh, God, I don't even want to start talking about <laughs> I swear the roads. I, I bought a bike yesterday, and I was riding it from PB to Little Italy. And the whole ride, I was f a little fearful for my life because people are driving like crazy. But the, the roads, firsthand experience how bad the roads are, it's just unbelievable. And I thought that we had, um, what was it, SB2 from a few years ago that went to go fix the roads and the freeways and all that. I, no idea where that money went either. I think that's where people are starting to get a little bit more vocal, a little bit more involved, a little bit more upset because we have these things that we've been told. And if you're apolitical and things make sense to do them a certain way or to like, it's it's just getting frustrated with the whole bureaucracy of the system in general. And if something works like your project, if that worked, then why is it not being implemented on a countywide basis? Anyway. Uh, and think of how how much money we would save now my cynical side my uh, i wouldn't say conspiratorial but my cynical side says that well there's too much red tape and bureaucracy that people don't want something like that and homelessness maybe it, it would you consider it a big business because some people have said that before yeah i mean i've, I've definitely heard that argument about that there's people who sort of profit yeah. by the problem and you know i think it's like any difficult problem homelessness yeah. and obviously homelessness is incredibly difficult uh, and very because it's a housing program it's a mental health issue it's yeah. all those issues you know is there some side of that probably yeah I, I would say probably but is that exclusively it definitely not i don't think so either. yeah i think it's i think it's a slice of it but again i'd go back to whether it's on homelessness or anything else uh, again the beauty of project 25 is you had an impartial you know point loma Biz business school yeah they're impartial they're not even government they're 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 showing the data. Yeah. So whatever it is they're doing, I think there's a power in that because I think you can go out to to cynical people or apolitical people and show, hey, actually, mm -hmm. this is a place. This is a time and place where government is working. Yeah. You know, if we do more of this, we will have fewer homeless people on the street. Yeah. Data is not partisan. Data is not partisan. And that's what drives me nuts is that if the data makes sense. I don't care what side you're on. I truly don't. And, uh, you know, the, the everything, it seems, will devolve into what side are you on when it comes to any topic, whether it be homelessness, homelessness or potholes or whatever. And it, that drives me nuts, too, because I don't think in that binary that most people do nowadays. So uh, but we can talk about that forever, literally. So if, if you were, uh, say, elected uh, to this role, would you reinstitute this? 
this program, or would you have something different, grander scale? What would you do? Yeah, so you know, a city attorney, there's, you're, it's not a policy yeah. making office, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be in a position to do that. I think one of the things I would do, and I and I would say this, you know, I I say this as a citizen of San Diego, let alone as if I was city attorney, is I just think there's a big value there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would advocate for it, no question. Ultimately. Ultimately, that's the role of the city council and the mayor. Yeah. Um, so when you say directly what I know, would I indirectly through advocating for it publicly? Yeah. And I always speak on Project 25. Everywhere I go, I speak on Project 25 because I think it's important for people to understand that there there are solutions out there. There, yeah. there is something that's been shown to work. Yeah. It can be scaled up. Um, it's not gonna get, this isn't going to get resolved in one year or five years or 10 years, but it is over time going to – it can get better. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, anything that has any kind of promise or any kind of results would be great because without even looking at any data, I can tell very subjectively, I guess, and objectively, it's gotten way worse in San Diego and in California in general. Um, I live in Little Italy right now, and sometimes I wake up that early to take my dog for a walk, and it's just, it's so much more prevalent at five or six in the morning than it is at nine or 10 when more people are out, you know, but... Um, it's a it's a pretty pretty bad problem and and hopefully we find something some way to you know make some kind of fix to this or to this uh, issue. But is there as the San Diego City Attorney meeting with the City Council, the lawmakers, the people who make those policies? Um, is there any? I'm speaking from ignorance here. Mm-hmm. Is there cooperation? Is there like a monthly meeting? Is there a bi-monthly meeting? Anything like that? Well, I think. It's fair to say right now there's not a lot of cooperation between the city attorney's office and the council. Okay. Um, I think that relationship is fractured. Okay. Um, I I feel that um, it has become, from what I have observed and what I have heard from as I've run for this office talking to those individuals, um, it it is it is a a there is a these personal feelings that and these political sort of. I would say politically insignificant feelings that have gotten in the way of sort of doing the public business, you know, and, and I think that needs to change. You know, I've been somebody who my whole career has been able to work with people and get things done. Yeah. You know, whether it was getting the state route 56 done, I rebuilt, led the rebuilding effort on two communities after a while, the 03 and Scripps Ranch and the 07 and Ranch Bernardo. I've been somebody who, who just, you know, puts my head down. I go to work, yeah. I get results. I do have a good, you know, the, the mayor and the council have endorsed me. Yeah. Um, and I think that says something because mm-hmm. they haven't endorsed somebody like my opponent who's currently in the, currently doing that job. Yeah. They're working with my opponent and they're seeing who she is and the quality of her work and they're endorsing me. I think that says something. I think that says where um, they feel the relationship needs to go. And I do too because I think where there's just these personal uh fighting it, it it doesn't serve people in san diego well i think the personal feelings need to move aside yeah i think people just need to do their job go to work do their job get things done be mm-hmm. professional for the better of the city for the better of the city yeah and that's what i've always done and that's why i think again i think the people who i've worked with for 25 years you know i haven't agreed you know i'm Tony Atkins is endorsing me. We certainly haven't agreed on every single thing over yeah. 25 years. But I think she's she's an example of somebody who sees me or Dr. Shirley Weber or somebody, you know, this is somebody who gets to work, does tries to get tries to do the right thing and, and works to get it done as opposed to squabbling needlessly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that we've um well, you know, I've I've born and raised in San Diego as well too. And I 
I've seen, you know, the issues, the scandals throughout the years, the infighting and, you know, the lack of progress, it seems like, because it seems like there's always something like that. It never feels like it really flows well. And and that's, I guess, why I asked that question, because I, I have no idea whether the you would think that the people who are elected officials within the city would meet, try and move the city, you know, progress into a better you know sphere of uh, for the city in general and, and progress for the citizens. But uh, the fact that they're not meeting, that there is some kind of personal feelings and, you know, or some kind of fractured relationship, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. it's up, And I think it is up to the city attorney to make sure those relationships are at least professional, right? Yeah. That you are, you know, I think one advantage that I that I bring to it is I was a city council member. Yeah. I, you know, you, when you run for city council, you run and you want to do things for your community. Mm -hmm. That's why you run. And that's why you ultimately win because enough people see you as a person who can get that done or they agree with the things you want to do. Yeah. And then to get into office and have kind of these roadblocks set up that you're not sure why those roadblocks are being set up. Yeah. And why they're not, you know, city attorney's office didn't get back to you, why they're not helping you with their opinions, why that's happening. Mm -hmm. That's obviously incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And look, those nine city, it doesn't even matter whether the city attorney would vote for all nine of them or none of the nine of them or some of the nine of them. Those nine got elected. Yeah. They got elected in their districts. So no, they should never be allowed to do anything that's illegal, right? And they, they should be advised against that. But short of that, if they're trying to get a park built or they're trying to get something done, yeah, they should have cooperation from the city attorney's office. Absolutely. That's that's why that that's how the system works best, not I think what we're what we're seeing now. And if you watch any of those city council meetings, some of those city council meetings, I'm not sure if you do or not. Mm. I don't blame you if you don't. I don't. Um, <laughs> good for you. Uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're a little rough to watch sometimes yeah. because it just seems like, you know, <clears throat> I, I just wonder where the, you know, I don't know. It just seems, it's a little hard, it's a little hard to see that where uh, instead of just trying to get, get out there and solve some of these problems, it seems like a little bit of needless bickering. Yeah. So, Moving on to kind of a, a hot button issue in San Diego is uh, 101 Ash. Uh, what do you think went wrong in that whole scenario? Uh, well, I think there's a lot that went wrong. Yes. I think there's a lot that went wrong. And I think there's a lot that went wrong that that we and the public still don't know about. I would actually agree to that. I, I've dug into this a little bit more as, uh, you know, I was interviewing uh, you and, and Heather Ferber, and I was trying to get more information. And I'm still a little confused as to how bad this got screwed up. And I don't even know, do you know how much it actually cost us so far or will cost us? Oh, oh yeah. It's millions and millions. Millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Millions that, we, that we have to pay for. Correct. Yeah, okay. Just making sure. Yeah. Making sure I had that right. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot that went wrong. And, and, and so, and we don't know what we don't know yet. Yes. So I think there's going to be other things out there that probably will come to light over time. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you is it really illustrates what I just got done saying about the lack of communication mm -hmm. and the lack of rowing in the same direction. Yeah. And the finger pointing that happens afterwards. You know, there hasn't been accountability for that. Um, it, you know, you look at one of the, the, the lead individuals in there got to plead to a misdemeanor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Didn't even have to show up at court. Was, uh, and that was, and lost a license to, or? Uh? Yeah, that's going on right now. Okay, yeah. But, you know, that's odd that it ends discovery, yeah. right? It ends a lot of things. I mean, that's, yeah. 
since you had mentioned being conspiracy there oriented, but I mean, it certainly is troubling, yeah. I would say, um, that, that somebody got away with whatever, eight, nine million dollars and did have to, had to pay it back, but paid it back without interest. Yeah. Uh, and get some misdemeanor out of it. So for the record, I wouldn't say I'm conspiracy oriented. I'm a little bit cynical at times, especially when I hear things like this, uh, where uh, someone, <laughs> and, oh, I don't even want to get into how bad uh, the justice system works in uh, one way or the other. But uh, when we're losing millions and millions of dollars and it costs the taxpayer so much money, and I felt like there was no accountability. I felt like there was uh, there was kind of a, a partial investigation or a very small investigation. If you were elected city attorney, would you open up a formal investigation or look into it more to yeah. see if, uh, if you can recommend, I guess, charges to the... Um, um, why am I blanking? <laughs> well, well, I will answer. Okay. Look, I think I, I see what you're getting at. And here's what I would say is, yes, I think it merits more investigation. But again, I'm going to go back to, you know, you and me sitting here. I, I'm a candidate running for it. I don't have access to all that. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. I don't have access to that. It wouldn't be until I, you know, hopefully get elected that yeah. I would have access to that. Well, yes, I think there needs to be more investigation. Uh, you know, my opponent wants to gloss over it, wants it to go away because she's there doing that. Yeah. Um, that's not, I don't think that's beneficial. I think people have a right to know what happened. Yep. Um, I think there's a lot more that did happen. And for her to kind of get a pass at just like, well, you know, mistakes were made. Yeah, your mistakes yeah. were made. You know, take accountability yourself. You are there uh, and not taking accountability for it. Yeah. Transparency. That's all I would care about. Honestly, I, I don't, as long as we know what happened, that's all I care about. It doesn't even necessarily mean people need to get arrested if it doesn't warrant it or whatever. I just want to know. And that's one thing that drives me nuts about politics is that we, we don't find stuff out. Well, transparency is important for a whole lot of reasons. Of course you want to expose criminal conduct, Mm -hmm. but, but you're, but look, sometimes people make mistakes Yeah, or, or just that, Everyone in life has made a mistake. Yeah. That's that that happens, and that's fine too. If that's, that's the case, right? But but when you get it out there and it's made public, then at least you learn. You know, go back to what I said earlier about Project Twenty Five. Even if it showed it wasn't going to work, yeah, you learn something from that. You don't do that the next time. Well, why do you think that is though? Because as I feel like I'm a pretty rational person, and if someone were to come out and say this happened, it costs all this money, uh, it was an accident, it was a mistake. I would be like, all right, no, don't do it again, right? But or or it was criminal, and we're bringing these charges. I'd say, all right, cool, the accountability. But when we're getting just blanked on it and we get nothing, then I my mind starts racing. Like, what are we hiding? What else is out there? And that's again kind of what drives me nuts too is transparency, accountability, just all of the above. Just don't hide anything, I guess. So, um, okay, well. Last bit, uh, there was a little bit of controversy about your eligibility. Uh, do you want to comment on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it was a political issue my opponent raised to try to muddy the waters. Um, you know, the charter is very clear. The c- language of the charter is very clear. Of course, I was eligible. Case law, very, very clear. Mm-hmm. They were the same arguments that were made against Jerry Brown yeah. when he ran for AG. The same arguments made against Javier Pacera when he ran for AG, the court threw them out immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the Brown one where, case where they said 
of Jerry Brown had been a quote practicing attorney end quote for one year. Yeah. The court said, of course, his experience that he's had yeah. is more relevant, right? Than, for example, being just a municipal lawyer for a few years, right? Yeah. Like the depth and breadth of it. So, but yet my opponent raised it repeatedly to try to muddy the waters. Of, of course, multiple people, the law from the city ended up going out and getting to rule on it. Ruled, of course, he's eligible. It's obvious. So, you know, I think it does show either. My opponent cannot read the city charter. Mm -hmm. Didn't didn't know to review case law, mm -hmm. right? Which most lawyers should know to do. Like the case law was eminently clear what yeah. was going to happen on Brown and Becerra, other cases too. Um, or used her office for political motivation, right? One of the two. I I would hope it wouldn't be the latter. Um, Either way, the 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 ruling, the judgment, um, the opinion—I guess it was—was uh, was pretty uh, obvious. I guess you could say pretty uh, blatant in their support that you, of course, are eligible. Um, how much did that cost? You know, that's a great question. And you know that never the city taxpayers shouldn't be on the hook for one penny of that. I was kind of thinking the same thing for one penny of that because it was so clearly politically motivated. Look. If my opponent didn't work in the city attorney's office, do you think any of that would have happened? Of course not. Well, of course, not. I would say no. But the 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 fact that it did happen makes me just wonder. I, I don't. I, I would like to give people the benefit of the doubt and um, and to say that it's politically motivated. It, I could see how it leads to that. I don't want to jump to that conclusion because I I just don't. I don't know enough to be honest. Um, but the fact that money was spent on this uh, that was my first thought, and I, I think you know after talking to me for what 20 minutes now i'm sure you can tell like that's a very big concern for mm -hmm. me is how we're spending our money in the city and uh, just in the country in general but that's a whole another topic um and and so i did see something like in the actual opinion uh court further explained an inactive attorney unable to engage in the practice of law remains admitted to practice in california so i think that part of the code or part of the it's it's a 10 years to be you have to be uh admitted for 10 years as an attorney, correct? Yes. Okay. And they said that even if you were inactive during that 10 years, as long as you were eligible to act as an attorney, but you even if you weren't, you're still meeting that requirement. And on its face, when I saw 10 years uh, as a, an active attorney, right, my thought was, well, if you weren't practicing for 10 years, then how could you be eligible? But if I just think that it, I wish they had just written the code a little bit different or written uh, the verbiage a little bit different where it says 10 years eligible as an attorney, not necessarily uh, or eligible as, you know, active or inactive. But then reading into the opinion a little bit more, I was like, oh, OK, well, they already dealt with this and they dealt with this uh, in the previous case. And it was pretty, pretty obvious. Well, too. I think you have to show that they wrote it the way they did for a reason. Yeah, that is why. Yeah. So if you look at what I've done over the course of my legal career, you know, serving on the city council, well, what do you do there? You draft laws, you vote on laws, you review other laws, right? When I was home work as homeless commissioner, I was working with in poverty law. Mm -hmm. right? how, how, how do you, what are the legal rights of these individuals? How do you help them? You know, you've got conservatorship law, you've got mental health law. In the assembly, just being in the assembly alone, let alone on the judiciary committee, mm -hmm. evidence code, civil code, judicial count, you go on and on the list, much broader yeah. breadth and depth than if I would have just practiced municipal law yeah. for a, a few years, right? So I think it brings much more vision, 
much more um, experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the charter envisioned. And that is why. Yeah. And that makes sense. That right. And that makes a lot more sense. And, you know, if you're in the legislature, for example, you know, one reason why I think it is important to, to make sure you're, you know, you have your license, but you have to, you do have to worry about conflicts. Yeah. Right. So you, you don't want the appearance that, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you, you have to be mindful of how some of those things yeah. would look. So I will take any day of the week. I'll be very. I'm going to be very proud during the course of this campaign to talk about the depth and breadth of what I'm bringing to the table. Yeah. Um, and and I think it will help San Diego, particularly at the time and place we find ourselves in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with the issues that this city is facing, um, with what I think has happened over the the, the inability, I think of the, the, the city attorney's office to function with the city council in a productive way. Yeah. Um, you know, I intend to change that. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear that because I didn't even know that was a problem, but that makes sense now. <laughs> and uh, and so yeah. Um, well, any last words? Anything else you want to say? Sorry, I know you're about to take a sip. Of water. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, thanks for having me on. It's it's good to talk about these issues. Uh, I appreciate coming on and, and chatting with you today. It's it's a good discussion. Uh, I'm looking forward to, of course, the course campaign. Very uh, proud with the way it's gone so far with the endorsements that I've been able to get. Um, the Democratic Party endorsed candidate. Uh, proud of that. I've, Basically, the uh, uh, as I told you, the mayor and the council uh, have been supportive, I think, because they see me as somebody who can partner with them mm-hmm. to move past some of the obstacles that are in the place of the city now. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, if you get elected, I'm going to have you come back on and uh, we'll recap some of the stuff and maybe talk about future vision I'd of love to. Uh, the city. Yeah, I'd love great. to. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the Lawyer in Blue Jeans podcast, and we'll see you next time. Take a break from the news and join us at Lawyer in Blue Jeans. If you're curious about the latest wacky cases or have a specific legal inquiry, drop us an email at justin at lawyerinbluejeans.com. Follow us and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Thanks for listening to Lawyer in Blue Jeans. Be sure to follow and subscribe whenever you listen to your podcasts. To read the blog associated with this episode, visit olasmedia.com. This episode was produced in studios located in San Diego, California and Tijuana, Baja, California. Creative Director Ulysses Breton. Sound Engineer Alan Glespar. Lena Alvarez is the producer. Serving as Executive Producer and Co-Founder is J.C. Polk. And Chad Peace is President and Co-Founder. Olas Media is an IVC media company. Olas Media.